Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning. It is time to rise and shine. Uh, You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. And you may be listening on KLMP saying to yourself, hmm, this sounds a little different than what I'm used to hearing. So KLMP has been sharing the gospel in the Black Hills via radio for more than 50 years. They've got a strong signal that covers western South Dakota, eastern Wyoming, parts of uh, southeast Montana. And we are honored to have Faith 88.3 FM in Rapid City become a valued part of the Faith Radio Network. So good morning to you in Rapid City and across the Black Hills. Um, We'd love to welcome you to the Faith Radio family by sending you a gift bag. And and so we just ask you to text the word WELCOME to 877-933-2484. Text the word WELCOME to 877-933-2484. You may be wondering, uh, hey, who is this person talking and what is she talking about? So my name's Carmen LaBerge, and I am your morning host here on Mornings with Carmen. We are seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. So we look at the headlines, we talk about cultural concerns, and then we consider, you know, what does God say about these things? How am I as a Christian going to enter into this conversation today in ways that honor Jesus? We highlight the Bible frequently here on Faith Radio. Uh, Most of the hours of the day here on Faith Radio dedicated to absolutely straightforward teaching of Scripture passages. And so um, right now, during the month of February, we are reading through the Bible. We're reading a chapter of the book of Acts every single day, 28 days in February, 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And so today we are in Acts chapter 10. It's not too late to join us. You can just uh, get the reading plan and the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. For those of you who are engaged with us in reading through the book of Acts, today in Acts chapter 10, you're going to see how God advanced the gospel beyond a Jewish audience uh, to the Gentiles and um, Peter's vision in relationship to that. Gentiles hearing the good news and receiving the Holy Spirit. Really, really, really exciting. Well, all the all the chapters are exciting. So there you go. Another exciting chapter in the book of Acts. Hey, don't miss Susie Larson's live stream event tonight. Um, to sign up to participate in that, just go to myfaithradio.com. It's going to be on Faith Radio's YouTube and Facebook pages. And so if you go to YouTube and subscribe or you go to Facebook and like the page, then you'll get notifications every time we have a live stream event and you won't miss anything. So there you go. You can sign up for all of that at myfaithradio.com. Valentine's Day is Monday. That might be a big news alert for some of you. Um, And this is like fair warning to, you know, 
get it put together. Get a piece of red construction paper, fold it in half, cut out a heart, make a homemade valentine, uh, give it to someone you love. Tell your pastor they are loved. Remind um, the people in your church small group that they are loved. Hey, why don't we tell somebody who doesn't know they're loved that they're loved? Maybe you don't know you're loved. Let me just start with this. God is love. God is love. We know that from 1 John chapter 4. God is love. The culture's really confused. Um, oftentimes imagines that love is God, but love is not God. God is love. We're reminded in um, the Gospel of John that it is because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. God's love is life-giving. God's love for you is redeeming. It's redemptive love. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, describes God's love as patient and kind. God does not love in ways that are envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. God's love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and God's love never ends. God loves you. God, the God, the one and only eternal um, I mean, I could go down the list of God's attributes here, but God, God, capital G, loves you. Believe and receive that Valentine today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. does conquer all. Um, Love is God's character. Love is God's calling. You and I are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus says the second command is likened unto it, that we would love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So love is the character and the nature of God. Love is God's command to us. And then I so appreciate this about God. Um, What God commands us to do, God also supplies every resource that we can accomplish it. And so love is God's gift to us. Of the gifts uh, that come with the Holy Spirit, so all of the spiritual gifts that are enumerated in Scripture, um, the, the, the gifting of the Holy Spirit then comes with all these other gifts. And the greatest of those gifts, yep, that's love. So not only is God love, God is love. First John chapter 4, if you need a refresher on that. God is love. God commands us to love. First and greatest commandment, second commandment, likened unto it. And then love is God's greatest gift in the person of Jesus. And, um, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would express godly love to others. And then guess what? Love is also the evidence that God is operating in and through us. 
It's listed as the first among the fruits of righteousness in a believer's life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love tops the list. They will know we are Christians by what? Yep, by our love. I'm, I'm hoping that those are the refrains of, of Christians on this Valentine's Day. We live in a culture that is love-obsessed, but that grossly misunderstands love. And so let's be the people who demonstrate and live out love for what it really is. All right, one trend uh, to watch at the state legislative level across the country right now, and it is surrounding the issue of abortion. Some states uh, across the country are seeking to follow the lead of the state of Texas, uh, where you will hear reference to the heartbeat bill. The Supreme Court upheld uh, Texas law three weeks ago, and so other states are now moving to to have their um, states enact Texas-like style laws across the country. But other states are moving in the opposite direction. And so I want you to know this in anticipation that the high court, the Supreme Court, may well reverse the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, which created the so-called right to abortion throughout the United States. Um, There are states that are um, working to guarantee abortion as a right through their state constitutions. And so uh, it looks like Vermont may be the first state to amend its state constitution to guarantee abortion as a right in that state um, should the high court reverse Roe and abortion laws become, you know, a bit of a patchwork across the country, which is what they were prior to Roe, by, by the way. So um, yesterday's Breakpoint segment is one that if you missed, I want to encourage you to listen to because it highlights the way that we as a culture are adapting ourselves to physician-assisted suicide, how we are adopting a thinking that is terribly pragmatic um, in relationship to the gift of life and the giver of life. And so um, important conversations need to be had about death and dying, considerations about um, who we are, whose life this is we live, whether or not life is ours to give and ours to take away. And so I was uh, reading a piece called We've Forgotten How to Die, and then this morning uh, my attention was captured by an article in Reuters where the Pope is condemning assisted suicide even as the Italian Parliament is is considering legalizing the practice. So let's have a conversation next about life and death. Whose is it and in whose hands does it rightly reside? You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Do you read the end of a novel first? Do you think about the end of your story? How much thought have you given to your own mortality and death. Um, increasingly, it is a conversation that we, be- we have become actually more comfortable having. And yet, as a culture, we have moved further and further away from death as uh, like a, an integral part of life. Um, last rites are not a big thing anymore. People um, celebrate 
uh, birth, but we don't talk much about or celebrate death. And as Christians, we ought to be having celebrations of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and and its application, right? The the power of the application of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus to the life of a believer. There ought to be opportunity for us to publicly bear witness to the reality um, that life is a gift, this life is a gift, and this life is eternal. Uh, and your eternal life is going to be lived out in one eternal reality or another. We made reference to um, to the story about the um, the young man who was preparing to serve as a, a U.S. Navy SEAL who died during what the Navy calls Hell Week. And we talked about hell and the reality of it. And the most important thing about hell that we need to keep in front of people is that in reality, it is eternal. It's eternal. Well, so is life in Christ. It is eternal. How much thought um, are you giving to that? Are you anticipating it? Are you looking forward to it? Think about conversations we've had with Johnny Erickson Tata about this, like that life is this life that you and I are now living. Um, this is an opportunity for us to prepare for life eternal. Like this is where we we have the opportunity to be conformed by the Holy Spirit by one degree of glory to another, more into the likeness of Christ. Why? So that we'd be ready to live with him in his presence, in the fullness of the glory of God forever and ever. Amen? So when we think about death, we anticipate death. We talk about death. Um, Christians ought to be comfortable in that conversation, and we ought to be the people bringing that conversation into the conversations of the day. I recognize that it is incredibly difficult. Um, it is subject matter that we have uh, have difficulty treading into. But in a culture that has largely forgotten how to die um, and forgotten how to talk about death, um, you and I need to be the need to be the good death people. We need to be the people who um, who don't celebrate death in that, hey, we think we ought to get to control it and we ought to um, get to control the timing of it. No, no. But we ought to be people who recognize that in death comes the opportunity for the fullness of life in Christ, in the presence of God, reconciled forevermore. And so let's be people who um, are acquainted with heaven. We know what it's about. We know how to get there through Christ alone. Um, and we share that good news with others around us who are going to die and are afraid of death and don't know the possibility of life beyond death. So let's be those people and let's uh, get into the conversations through headlines like, hey, the Pope is condemning assisted suicide. Why? Let's, uh, let's, let's figure that out. And let's then be equipped to have the conversations in our own communities and in our own families and certainly in our nation about the precious nature of life and why it must be defended from conception to natural death. All right. Uh, those of you wondering, where's Peter this morning? Peter Kapsner is um, my weekly 
always here um, conversation partner during this segment of Mornings with Carmen. Now, those of you who are listening to us for the very first time in the Black Hills don't know that. And so you don't know, Peter, and you don't know that I save up the weirdest headlines of the whole week to talk about with Peter. And he's not here this morning because uh, he's a little bit under the weather. But I have a treat for you. Peter is going to be guest hosting this program on Monday so that I can have a three-day weekend with my sweet husband, Jim, for Valentine's Day. So there you go. You're going to get your Peter Kapsner fix. It's just going to be coming on Monday. Um, And we're praying for his swift recovery from what ails him today. All right, I have some good news uh, to share with you. Seven encouraging trim, trends of global Christianity. There are all kinds of reports out right now. One of them from Gordon Conwell uh, in, um, well, their Center for Global Christianity at Gordon Conwell University. Um, and then an article uh, about the same research posted at lifewayresearch.com. Uh, Christianity is on fire around the world. Uh, and so if we want to think about where faith is growing fast um, and where the growth of the Christian faith is growing at the most rapid of rates, you know, it's not going to be here in the United States. I recognize that. It's not going to be in the Western world. I recognize that. But Christianity continues to grow um, as a percentage of the global population and continues to grow dramatically in places um, where you you might be surprised to learn that it's growing fast. So where where in the world is Christianity growing the fastest? Well, Africa, where there is an almost 3% growth rate of Christians in the culture. Asia, a 1.5% growth rate. In the year 2000, 814 million Christians lived in Europe and North America. 666 million Christians live in Africa and Asia. Just two years later, um, there are uh, more Christians in what we would call the global north. There are, so Christianity has grown. Um, And 1.1 billion Christians now live in Africa and Asia. Okay, so just the just dramatic growth. There's like a crazy growth rate in Africa and Asia in terms of um, the Christian faith. You and I uh, recognize that the spread of Christianity is um, is global. It has been the uh, Great Commission since the beginning that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forth from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to, yes, the ends of the earth. And we think of the waves of mission and, and the ways in which God sends forth, sends forth his word. And today, there are literally no more barriers to the spread of the gospel because people hold in their hand, a smartphone, an access point and the gospel is going forth in ways that are really, really just extraordinary, almost inexplicable. Um, and by 2050, by 2050, most Christians around the world are going to live in countries or in nations that are today not majority Christian. That is going to be a massive, massive global transition in terms of the percentage of people um, around the world who live in countries that today are minority Christian and in 2050 will be majority Christian. Now, obviously, that is also going to spark all kinds of 
backlash and retribution. And so we pray in advance in relationship to those concerns as well. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Lieutenant General John Bradley is a highly decorated, um, retired Air Force officer. Um, His last post was Chief of Air Force Reserve, headquartered at U.S. Air Force Washington, D.C. He has flown in his lifetime more than 7,000 flight hours and 337 combat missions in all kinds of aircraft. For those of you interested, the T-38, the A-37, B, the A-10, the F-4, D, and E, the F-16C. And what is he fighting for now? He's fighting for the liberty of Afghans um, whom he knows who were left behind after the U.S. withdrew. Retired Lieutenant General John Bradley joins us now to talk about the welfare of uh, people who he loves um, deeply, who he knows personally. Uh, and whose liberty he is still seeking to win. Lieutenant General John Bradley, next. Joining us now, John Bradley. Um, We are going to direct you to the LAMIA Foundation website, LAMIA, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. John, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Nice to be with you again. Well, it's wonderful to have you. We'd love to have an update from you um, about your efforts to bring um, friends and loved ones that you know uh, out of Afghanistan. Thank you, Carmen. Uh, Thank you for asking, and thanks for uh, continuing to talk about this important subject. I am uh, very pleased uh, to tell you that I believe that uh, the father and son I had told you about who were separated separated from their wife and two other children, his wife and two other children, uh, father and a 14-year-old son, uh, were separated at the suicide bombing at the Kabul airport in late August. The mother was killed. Two young children were inside the airport and then taken to hospital in Germany, Landstuhl, and then to Walter Reed in Washington. And now they are with their aunt in Alexandria, Virginia, the two children who are 8 and 13, a boy and a girl. And they are doing well in school. They're happy to be here. I believe that uh, we are close to getting the father and 14-year-old son out of Kabul and on the way to the United States The State Department has manifested them. I think when flights resume, they will shortly be flown out to probably Qatar or UAE and then later brought to the United States. So I'm really excited about that. The other efforts we're undergoing so we can put that family back together uh, as they should be. And the State Department has an office that does that, reunify families who were separated. And I've been in touch with them. They're doing great work to help. Our other efforts involve feeding hundreds of people every single day uh, through different means we have and continuing to provide medical care for young women who are pregnant. We have a medical clinic in the eastern part of the country in the city of Jalalabad. Uh, 
with an Afghan woman doctor who is doing fabulous work, delivering babies, saving lives, and helping uh, pregnant women who have problems with their pregnancies. So the focus of our effort has been the medical care and feeding now that uh, there are so many hungry people in Afghanistan. So, John, we've heard a lot about that. We have certainly heard the concerns related to famine in Afghanistan and the people at you know desperate risk of starvation this winter. Um, what are you hearing there from people on the ground? The very same thing. This morning, I got an email from someone I don't know in Afghanistan. Every single day, I get emails. Uh, my wife gets emails. My daughter gets our daughter gets emails from people in Afghanistan, most of whom we do not know, talking about the dire conditions, the hunger, the lack of money, the lack of food, and struggling and wanting us to help them get out. There are no ways for me to get most of these people out or even help most of them, but we're trying to feed the hungriest that we find. We have a young friend in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan, who's the brother of a young boy we helped come to the United States for medical care for a kidney failure or a kidney problem years ago. And he later died back in Afghanistan. But we met this young brother of this boy who, and this brother is now a dentist, and he is feeding people in the streets of Afghanistan every single night. We've been able to get Hmm. money to him so that he can buy food, and he is feeding hundreds of people himself, a wonderful young man. So there are efforts like that going on, but we hear from people every day, the people we do know, the people we don't even know, they talk about the dire conditions and the hunger. So I want to share with you, uh, this is from a listener named Jim in Connecticut. Uh, He says, I wanted to share an update on the Afghan refugees that our church is trying to help. We have rented a house uh, in West uh, Hartford. So this is a listener in Connecticut. It's all furnished, and now we're just waiting for our family to arrive. Uh, They were supposed to, oh, it's two two women and their two daughters, he's saying, um, artisans from the Turquoise Mountain region, uh, an artist collective. That sounds kind of cool. He says they were in Doha in August. But now they're stuck in northern Macedonia. Um, we thought they were first to arrive in January and then February, and now we hear um, March. Um, so just, you know, he says, please add this to your list of prayers. Maybe, John, give us some sense of, does this sor- this story sound normal to you in terms of what people are experiencing and trying to get out, even when they do have sponsors and support here in the United States? Yeah. Well, that's a... That's a telling story because I know it happens a lot. The time spent in Doha and other places, the first lily pad, so to speak, that the U.S. flies people to uh, before they can get cleared to come to the United States uh, has been backed up. And they are working hard to try to get through the backlog so that they can fly more people into Doha and other places. I don't know why this particular family was moved to Macedonia. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't understand that, but uh, Turquoise Mountain rings a bell. My wife and I have helped uh, been to Turquoise Mountain in Kabul. It's a wonderful museum and art arts district. Uh, and we moved a, uh, goodness, what is it called? A pottery uh, kiln to, mm. to Kabul for Turquoise Mountain probably 12 years ago. And it's a wonderful place for 
creative people and a wonderful museum. But at any rate, back to the subject of the families, there are churches and people I hear from all the time who talk about helping refugees in their towns. A man in a church, I know a doctor in uh, Oklahoma City has called me a few times and his church has helped hundreds of refugees in the Oklahoma City area. And he opened his home he said, I've got two bedrooms. My wife and I would be glad to host families. So there are efforts like that going on around the country. I know there are people who are still stuck in limbo in places like Doha and other countries waiting to come to the United States. But the thousands who have made it to the United States are being welcomed with open arms in community, in cities all across America. And I hear great stories about them all the time. Yeah, 324 Afghan uh, refugees in the community uh, or in the city where I live. We have uh, Anne checking in from St. Paul, Minnesota, who says um, one of our English language learning programs at St. Paul Public Schools now has several children from Afghanistan. So this is um, an experience that people in communities across the country are beginning to have, John. Uh, maybe maybe you can tell us when when we think about where they have come from, and what quote-unquote normal life is for them, what are a couple of things that we maybe should just be aware of that are just completely, utterly different here in America? I mean, I, I mean, I know the list is really, really long, but are there a couple of things that just leap to the forefront of your mind? Oh, goodness. Listen, <laughs> Afghanistan is such an interesting place. It's a frustrating place. It's maddening in some ways culturally uh, because of uh, the treatment of women and girls over the years. But the, the openness of things here, the availability of things, I mean, just going down the street, most of all of which are usually paved in the United States in cities, but that's not true in Afghanistan having bathroom facilities in your home that are safe and uh, healthy. You know, they don't have that in Afghanistan. Open sewers in many parts of Kabul, a city of four and a half million people. It's just uh, the availability of stores. You, you know, you can't go down the street in Kabul and just find a big store. They just don't exist for the most part. And not to mention the rural villages out across the country. So the availability of things, I mean, you walk into a grocery store here, it would be culture shock for an Afghan going to a grocery store here and seeing an aisle of boxes of cereal of all types in a long aisle or other foodstuffs. They don't have that there. They have open air markets for the most play. Uh, most part, and uh, they have wonderful food when it's available, but right now the economy is suffering so much. So they would see a land of plenty here that they could not have dreamed of. It's just, it would be culture shock for them. We're talking with retired Lieutenant General John Bradley, um, formerly of the U.S. Air Force, now heading up with his wife, the Lamia Afghan Foundation. You can find information at Lamia, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. We'll be right back. We're talking with retired Lieutenant General John Bradley. We're talking about the plight of um, people from Afghanistan 
since the withdrawal of the United States on the 31st of August. Um, John, I want to talk with you about Afghanistan now topping the open doors world watch list of the most dangerous places in the world for Christians to be living. Um, But I want to also ask this listener question that's just been raised on our text line. Just a reminder to those of you listening, you can always text us during the show, 877-933-2484, if you've got a comment or a question. Um, A listener asking... um, this is a really short question, PTSD, question mark. Um, I'm thinking so, given the trauma of getting out, but also can't imagine the horrors endured uh, prior to leaving. Talk with us about um, post-traumatic stress and what refugees from Afghanistan in particular are experiencing. Well, I'm not an expert in PTSD, but I'm aware of people who have had it and understand, I can understand fully, I think, why they have it because of the trauma they endure, the harsh conditions that people have lived in there for so many years, 40 years of war, essentially. It's just been a country in turmoil uh, from the time the uh, Soviet Union went in there in uh, 1979 until today. And so it's a long time. So if someone is 40 years old, they've known nothing but war. And uh, it's, it's traumatic. There are uh, stories that abound about mistreatment by the Taliban. People are being pulled from their homes and tortured. Some are being killed. Uh, the Taliban is not a friend, friendly government. They don't know how to provide services for people. They don't care about people's lives like you and I do. They don't value human life, it's seemingly, with the way they treat people, and particularly the way they treat women. Uh, making them cover up completely, not allowing most women to even leave their home and go to work, not allowing girls to go to school beyond the sixth grade. So when uh, someone is a refugee from Afghanistan, that uh, man or woman, boy or girl, has experienced trauma for years probably, and there is no doubt that they would experience some PTSD. And uh, I know that uh, the gratifying thing I've seen in this country is People from all walks of life, all political persuasions, religions have come together to greet and help refugee families when they've come to the United States to their particular cities. I've seen outreach efforts that just warm my heart and would yours, I'm sure, because of the efforts they've gone to to provide for these families. So that's a very gratifying thing because I think the people in America understand the harsh conditions that they've ex- these refugees have experienced in their home country of Afghanistan, and they want to try to make life a better, uh, better for them here in the United States. I think the investment that, um, that we made, not only through the U.S. military, but those of us who are military families, like there's a heartbeat there for us as well. Um, we, we want, we want uh, Americans' involvement in Afghanistan to mean something positive. And uh, if we can help realize that by reaching out to um, and serving refugee families, then that's what we're going to do. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you, John, for that reflection. Let's talk a little bit about Afghanistan now topping the Open Doors World Watch list in terms of the most dangerous places in the world for Christians to live um, for the first time in a very long time. Uh, North Korea is not at the top of the list. Afghanistan is. 
that's understandable. And uh, being a Christian in Afghanistan is a difficult thing. It, you have to keep your faith in hiding, unfortunately. Now, I'm a deeply committed Christian myself. My wife is. Our family is. I was raised that way. Uh, so it's a natural for me. I didn't have to be converted so much because I was raised uh, as a, in a Christian family with a deep Christian background. But people in Afghanistan don't know that. They just know that the people like uh, my wife and me, when we're helping over there, they, they think we're Christians probably because they assume that all Americans are Christians, which of course is not true, but we are. And uh, we believe in helping the least of these, as Jesus told us, and that's what we're trying to do. But Christians there have to worship in secret, they have to change meeting places, and trying to convert someone there is a very dangerous thing, even when the Taliban was not in power from, 19, from 2002 to August of this last year. You, it was against the law of Afghanistan to try to convert a Muslim to Christianity. There were people who did it, and bless their hearts for doing it. But there were a lot of young families that were over there trying to teach uh, the elements of Christianity to these people, but they're putting their lives in danger when they do that. So it's a difficult proposition. And now the Taliban is in control. So it's even uh, much harsher if, if you're caught. So it, it's a tough thing uh, to be a Christian in Afghanistan. We certainly want to be praying um, for them. There's times, John, that, you know, I just encourage people to pray the news, recognizing that um, God uh, knows the needs of people and God is able to meet needs in ways that I don't even know how to ask. Um, but beyond prayer or in addition to prayer or as a, uh, you know, as a manifestation of my heart of prayer, what can I, uh, what can I tangibly do? Well, help families that are here in the United States in refugee status that uh, come to your cities. And as you said, there are a number of families here in the Nashville area. There are num hundreds of refugee families that have been moved to cities across the country. Help them. Pray for them. Pray for those that are still left behind in Afghanistan who want to leave. Pray for those who are hungry and need food and Find an organization that uh, is trying to help people there. We're feeding hundreds of people every day. We use donations for that. We don't use any donated money for anything except the work there. We have no paid uh, staff of any kind here in the United States or in Afghanistan. So every dollar that's ever contributed to my organization goes to help people over there. It doesn't go to pay somebody. It's all volunteer. So find an organization such as mine or some others. There are many other that you can look for uh, online and contribute to try to help buy food. We have ways to buy food for families over there. We're feeding hundreds. So I would suggest that beyond prayer, that is one way that could, people could help. 
We're so grateful um, for you. We're so grateful for the organization, uh, Lamia, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G, uh, is, uh, is John's organization. He and his wife, you can meet them uh, right there online when you go to Lamia dot O-R-G. Please be praying and please be serving refugees in your own community. Um, thank you to our friends in Connecticut who are sponsoring um, a couple of families. Thank you to others of you who have um, shared what's happening in your communities as well. Um, and then let's be giving as we are able to support the primary needs of food being uh, chief on the list right now. And you can do that at LAMIA, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. John, as always, thank you so much. Carmen, God bless you for continuing to care about these people and, and help them. It just means the world to me. Thank you it's so a, much. It's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Thank you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, I was going to read you one more text, but I think I would uh, I would weep if I did. And so I just uh, I'm just going to say thank you to each and every one of you um, whose hearts are moved and warmed um, in relationship to the concerns of uh, the least of these, and um, and for those of you who are concerned about the least of these right here in our own communities, um, thank you, thank you to uh, the friend who's raising concerns today about kids in uh, in her own community who are in uh, you know what we'll call food insecurity they don't know where um, where dinner is coming from tonight um, just recognize that there there are a lot of folks in a lot of need today um, as rents rise people are losing their um, their places uh, where they've been living um, as food prices rise people are um, making you know they're making hard choices in relationship to that. Um, And so let's be genuinely supporting one another in very, very tangible ways. Um, Check on your neighbors, provide a meal uh, where you can, buy an extra sack of groceries if you're able, just on and on and on. There there are going to be some tangible ways that God presents in the next couple of hours even for you and I to make the gospel um, beautiful and visible and substantial to someone else. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the world today. He is the King. Um, His resources are unlimited. Let's be conduits of those resources today. Thank you so much for including me in your day. You can find all kinds of resources at myfaithradio.com. Don't miss Susie Larson's live stream event tonight. And please be reading with us through the Bible. We are today in Acts chapter 10. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.